something the Lord put in my heart um, that I feel is very important for all of us to consider and to act upon. And uh, let me just start it this way. Everything has to do with value. And you need to know that you are valuable and that we can add value and take away value from one another. And what I just feel real prompted of the Lord to get us started up early in the year is let's make every effort we can to add value to the people around us. And you do that through words and not always big words, a lot of little words and, and through actions and things and not, it doesn't have to be, be big grandiose things. It's a lot of little things that we can add value to the people around us. And especially the people that are around you a whole lot, because sometimes on the value meter, they seem to pale in, in value and, and what you need to do so that you value them more is add value to them. And there's even difficult people in your life and you need to add value to them. Uh, we've been talking about it on Wednesday nights. All behaviors need motivated. And sometimes some people just need some value added to them. So would you commit to doing that this year? Start today that you start to by little words and little things that you add value to the people around you, your husband, your wife, your children, um, people that mow your lawn or, you know, wait on you at the at the store or whatever it would be that you interact with, you know, let's, let's add value. We're here to be salt. We're here to be light. And I add in, and we're also here to be sugar. Okay. And, uh, so let's not just make our point. Let's make a difference and, uh, let's add value to the people around us. Amen. All right. Uh, I want to do a, a message this morning. Uh, it's been very strong in my heart. And over the last few days, I feel like I've been working, working on a sculpture or something um, just to get this just right. And uh, I pray that the Lord will help me in this time. But I've called it through faith. Everybody say through faith. Through faith. Say it one more time, because what it means to you now, it's going to mean something a little different in just a few moments. But say through faith. Uh, one of the most important things that you must have in your life is indeed faith. And what we want to do is revisit faith a little bit, check some of our definitions on faith, and handle faith a little bit. Pastor Mike did a, a just a masterful job this past Wednesday, and he taught uh, in the Real Life series and getting ready uh, for the new year. He talked about faith as well. But we want to look at faith because... God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we have, we have faith. Everybody say, I have faith. And then we, we need to do some things with faith. But one of the most important things in your life that you must have is faith. And we all have what I call a spiritual mechanism. You are a believer. Even a cynic or a doubtful person, they're a believer. They just kind of believe in that way instead of this way, you know. And uh, so we want to be good stewards of, of faith because of the importance of faith. Let, let me read a few passages concerning faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says, He, speaking of Abraham, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced, notice that, being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was also able to perform. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. And, and think about it, if you don't believe, you won't go. 
And he who comes to God must believe that he is. And, and let me insert, he must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And they're very powerful passage in 1 John chapter 5. And this tells us a little bit of the impact of faith. Verse 4 and 5, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Help me out. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So it's not just believing something. It's believing someone. And Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what he has uh, committed until that day. So faith really, and it's had a lot of definitions. I know over my Christian life, I've heard different emphasis on it. But for me, the best handles on it, it it boils down to a firm persuasion. Uh, Let me put it this way, confidence. It's confidence. Faith is confidence. And what I want for you and what we want to build into our lives, especially for this year, is that we have confidence in God. Because there's, a not, there's not a lot that we can put confidence in. Think about it. Our world has changed. And we've got to have some bedrock in our life. We, we've got to have a rock in our life, a foundation in our life. And there is none other than the chief cornerstone, Jesus. And we must build our life on him. But to do that, we've, we must have confidence and not just have a church mindset. Yes, I know Jesus first, blah, blah, blah. No, it's something that's on the inside of it. It's a real deal confidence. And when you have confidence in him, guess what? You have confidence in his word because he and his word are one. Guess what? You and your word are one. If I say I have confidence in you, but I don't believe what you say, then I don't have confidence in you. And so if we say, well, I have confidence in God, but then we don't have confidence in his word, then something's not connecting. And when we do have confidence in God and his word, here's what we will do. And these are the keys to life right here. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. You know, trust is, does not mean that you have figured it all out. That's why it's called trust. That's, it's, it's a faith. It's a confidence that God will help me, that God is who he says he is, is able to do what he said he's able to do, and he loves me, and he sees me, he knows me. Are you all here? And so what we want to have is confidence in God, and that's what our faith is, and it results in us trusting and obeying. Now, throughout the years, and I, I would say even in the... In the um, some of my formative years in my Christian walk, faith a lot of times got reduced to some kind of formula, some kind of checklist. These 10 things, these eight keys, these 29 principles. And you know what? Faith is not a formula. Faith has ingredients. Faith is something, but it's not a checklist. It's not a formula because you know what? Come Tuesday afternoon and you're applying your faith towards something. You don't want to say, I can't remember what step three is. (laughs) Faith is substance and faith gives substance. And it, it has ingredients 
There are things about faith, but faith is not a formula. So don't reduce it to that. Don't reduce it to a works thing when it's a power thing. Amen. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, and I would encourage you to read that, but I would encourage you to read it later when you're reading the welcome home. Uh, and it starts out now, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen. And then goes on and talks about a number of things. And then it enters what is sometimes referred to as the hall of faith. And we start out and so-and-so by faith and through faith, it starts out with Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Joseph and Jacob and Isaac and Moses. And by faith, so-and-so did this. And through faith, so-and-so did this. And they accomplished things and they did things and they made it through things by faith or through faith. When we find in the Gospels, Jesus would comment on people's faith. And sometimes he would say they had no faith or small faith or some faith, weak faith, strong faith, great faith. But there's a a brand of faith that I want to submit to you this morning that I think we need. I think you have it, but I want it to be fully awakened in us. And it is, what's the title of the sermon? Through faith. This is a brand of faith that gets you through. It's not just by means of faith, through faith, by faith. This is a faith that gets you through. And how many of you know we probably have some things we need to get through? How many of you are in some things now that you want to get through? Okay. And so through faith is a brand of faith that I want to talk about. If you remember just a few weeks ago, we were talking about favor And we said that there's one brand of favor that gets us ahead. It kind of, we have obstacles and situations and it just kind of shoots to the front of the line. And we love that kind of favor. But then there's another brand of favor that gets you through. And while we love this get ahead favor, we need this get through favor. And and, and they're so related here. So this brand of faith is called through faith. Everybody say it, through faith. And it's a, it's a brand that will get us through. In the hall of faith, there, that through faith is what helped them to get through or, get a, or to accomplish whatever they did. Now, in Mark chapter 4, and this is also in Matthew and in Luke, um, I chose to read it out of, out of Mark. And let's go ahead and read this passage here together. Are you with me? It says in verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, let me just stop right there and set this up for you a little bit. At the beginning of that day, and you'll find this in verse 1 of Mark chapter 4, Jesus was teaching by the seashore. It's the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Lake of Gennesaret and Tiberias. And and it's uh, got a lot of different names depending on which shore you lived on. And... uh, he began to teach in the crowd multitude pressed so much, so close that he had to get into a boat, get out into a boat and the water. Uh, the Bible in some translations refers to it as a ship. And it's not actually a ship like a giant ship, like we, we think of it. Um, but as a, a fishing vessel, um, in 1986, some archeological digs around the sea of Galilee, they found some ancient anchors, uh, and I've seen some pictures of them, very interesting. Um, 
but they also unearthed in the in down in the muck they found a, a boat dated back to the time of Jesus and and they suggest that this could be uh, i'm told that there's even uh uh what do you call it reconstructed uh replica you know of it several places thank you you win something extra <laughs> a new car um but are there for people to to kind of see and it's roughly 25 feet long and it would hold 14 15 people and that's a pretty good sized boat 25 feet long uh several summers i've i've gone shark fishing and we've been in probably about 18 to 20 foot boat and that seems plenty big until you, you got a shark on the line but um but this is like 20 25 feet 14 15 guys could be in this boat. So let's read on here. It says, Now when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and he is Jesus. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And that's kind of what we're talking about today. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, let's talk about a couple of things here. It says a great windstorm arose. And we're going to see in a few moments, I'm going to suggest to you that really the, the storm is not the, the big issue. I've heard a thousand sermons on this passage, and I really don't think that the storm is the real issue. And we'll, we'll cover that in a few moments. But a great windstorm arose. The wind is beating against the boat. The waves are lapping over, filling the boat. So much so that they thought they were perishing. They thought they were perishing. Um, Obviously, they didn't perish, and, and there's some other thoughts concerning that. But this storm on this sea was not some oddity. Jesus, his whole life in ministry, adult ministry, the last three and a half years of his life, uh, were centered around this Sea of Galilee. Um, he walked on it. He healed by it. He taught by it. He crossed over it time and time again. And if you will study, you'll see that pretty much most of Jesus's tracks are real close to, this is almost the epicenter of, of his whole ministry. And it was not unusual. Matter of fact, it was common. Everybody say common. It was common for there to be storms on this lake. There's a unique geographical makeup right around there that it just is susceptible to storms coming up. And Jesus knew that. So storms came up all the time. And this lake or the sea is 680 feet below sea level. And then it is bordered on all sides and mostly on the east, though, by mountains or hills. And the, the high points of those hills are about 2,000. That's about 2,000 feet above sea level. So what you have on the high part, on the mountaintops, the top of the hill, you've got this cold, dry air. 
And then the mountains are kind of carved out a little bit with these passes and these narrow valleys. And they actually turned into almost like wind tunnels at times. And so you've got this cool, dry air on top. And then down on the water, which is used a lot of times as a resort, there are people that jet ski now on the Sea of Galilee. And down on the water, it's semi-tropical and it's warm and it's moist. And what happens sometimes, because you know how weather is, weather just suddenly, you know, people say, you don't like the weather now, hang around five minutes, you know, and, and it'll change. Well, this is true for there as well. And suddenly wind would just kind of drop down into these valleys and passes like a wind tunnel. And get this now, the deepest part of the lake is only 200 feet. And so that, by definition, is kind of shallow. So water that is that shallow as compared to like an ocean absorbs all that energy kind of quick and it's easy for it to get whipped up in a hurry. And they say that as that cool, dry air would come down in that fast wind and collide with the warm, moist air that's down there, temperatures would drop sometimes 20 to 30 degrees within minutes. The pressure changes and then guess what you have? You have a storm. You have a storm. And guess who had seen these time and time and time again? Jesus. Guess who else had seen it time and time again? The disciples. Guess what? It still happens today. It's just the makeup of it. Let me show you some pictures real quick. Here's a picture. That's me. There we go. This is the Sea of Galilee. That's a boat. Certainly not the boat that they were in. And if, you, if you'll notice... You've got the mountains and there's just, it's just kind of carved out. And to the left, you can see a big opening there. There are a lot of smaller openings. And that's where the wind, the book of Matthew says that it suddenly without warning, it's like the wind just dropped and would just come down in. And then this next picture is a Rembrandt. Um, We have this in our living room. We don't have a Rembrandt. Um, This is Rembrandt's depiction of this. And if you'll notice, the guys are um, having a great time. And Jesus is in the back there, and, and my guess is at this point, they're waking him up and saying, we're perishing, we're perishing, and they're holding on. So kind of get that picture in your mind, because we're going to revisit it in a different way in a few moments. So Jesus knew, I mean, this was common that there would be storms. Bookmark that. In your life, did you know that sometimes your life feels like it's 680 feet below sea level? And sometimes out of who knows where, some kind of storm comes and hits your life. And you feel like, whoo, what is going on? And you're getting tossed and wet and, and everything else. And that's happening in your life. I want you to kind of make the comparison here with the storm and how that comes. So let's go back to this. Jesus, fully aware that, of the potential of this, uh, gets in the boat. And once they get going, what did Jesus do? I hear you. He, he slept. He went to the back part of the boat, found a pillow, and he laid down. What does it take to sleep? First of all, it helps if you're tired. He was tired. He had taught all day. The second thing it takes to sleep is you have to relax. Now, our culture, our society is ridiculous with what we do to try to help ourselves relax. Jesus did not have Somonex or, or any, anything else, okay? Um, he relaxed. And if you're all uptight about a whole lot of things, you're not really going to be able to, to sleep. 
And Jesus slept. Not wept. Slept. And in the boat. And I think that's significant. And then all of a sudden the disciples, they wake him in this storm that you saw the picture of. And they said, teacher, now watch this. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In Luke's account, it says, master, master, we are perishing. The word perishing in the Greek there means to destroy fully. They thought it's all over. We're coming apart. We're going to be destroyed fully. Nobody told them that. They just, they just kind of felt that. Sometimes in your life, you feel like we're going down. It's all coming apart. You need to watch that. Don't be hollering that too soon. Amen. And so Jesus did this in verse 39. It says that he arose. He woke up. He arose. Scripture does not say this, but I believe this. I think he rolled his eyes at them. He arose, and here's what he did. Listen carefully, based on everything I told you so far. And he rebuked the wind. Think about that wind. He rebuked the wind. That was the source of it. That was the source of it. And then he spoke to the waves. Let me say it this way. He spoke to the emotions. He spoke to the symptoms, to the reactions. Peace, be still. And it says there was a great calm. Now, at this point, Jesus, he's got the volume turned down. He's got everything on pause, so to speak, back to normal. And I really still do not feel that this is all about a storm. I feel like it's about some other things. And Jesus, at this point, doesn't even mention the storm, took care of the storm. But now he comes back to the disciples and he asks them two questions. He says, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? He's like amazed. The tone of this is Why are you fearful? Now, we would all say, did you see that storm? But Jesus said, why are you fearful? It's like watching a lion on TV. You don't have to be afraid. Why are you fearful? And then he asked a second question. How is it that you have no faith? Literally, he asked them, what happened to your faith? Because all of us have a capacity And all of us are going to fill that capacity with one thing or another. And if you'll give me a little bit of license here, he said, why are you so fear? And I'm spelling it this way on purpose. Why are you so fear? Think about capacity. Why are you so fear full? Why are you full of fear? And then he asked them this, this second question. How is it that you have No faith. So again, go with me here. They were fearful and they were faithless. Now follow this. When you are, think of your capacity. You you can only hold so much and you need to be careful what you're holding. And when you're full of fear, let me put it this way. When you are fearful you are faithless, but when you are faithful, you are fearless. And there's sometimes where I've got faith and fear. Well, we always want to throw that balance and that percentage where it's faith. And we'll, we'll talk about how we can do that in just a moment. But we need to be careful that we don't fill up on, that we don't allow something to cause us to be full of fear. How many of you know there are plenty of things to try to cause us to be full of fear? 
to fill up our capacity with fear, which does what? It paralyzes you. You can't do anything. And you think we're going to be destroyed completely. Instead, we want to make sure that we are full of faith. And the brand of faith that they needed to have that they did not have was through faith. They needed to have that brand of faith that they were confident we will get through. And so remember this here so that we can stay faithful and remain fearless. Now, Jesus, when he asked these questions, he, he never even implies, why didn't you stop the storm? I know I've heard 35 sermons probably on us using our faith to stop the storm. Faith can stop a storm. But as I look at my life and you look at your life, I know that faith has helped me to get through more storms than it has helped me to stop them. I'm all for stopping them. I don't go looking for them. There's a whole brand of Christians that are looking to suffer for Jesus. I'm not looking to suffer. Y'all with me? Jesus suffered for us. Sometimes there are things we have to go through. Sometimes there, for us, bless our dear hearts, some persecution because somebody didn't like your bumper sticker about Jesus. Bless your heart. You're near martyr. You know, and we're discouraged for days. And, and, but, you know, there is some things to go with it. But, and God is not the author of storms and problems in our life. Understand that. But when they come, listen. Jesus was not asking, why didn't you stop the storm? Why didn't you calm the the seas? And the reality is, read the the scripture critically right here, and you're going to see it never even occurred to the disciples to stop the storm. A matter of fact, they didn't even ask Jesus to stop the storm. They were amazed when he did. They were amazed that he could. And after he did, they looked at each other and go, dude. Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So don't tell me it was all about, well, our faith was up to stop the storm. Then we lost it. No, they weren't even thinking about that. They'd never seen that done. They didn't even, they didn't even know Jesus could or would. It's about something else. And the thing that Jesus was asking about was their faith. Why are you, why are you so fearful? What happened to your faith. So it kind of points us to this. Perhaps then faith is not just about stopping a storm. Perhaps faith is also in the brand of faith we're talking about through faith. Be real. Look at your life. Perhaps faith also is about getting us through some storms. Because I don't want to break your little heart or mess up all your thinking. But we live in a land that is susceptible to storms. The lay of the land, the mountains, the cool air, the low water, the warm heat, the wind tunneled out of nowhere. How many of you know that life can be like that sometimes? I mean, some of y'all, we had this, this past year. It's like, where did that come from? Storms that would come into your life. And that's why you've got to have a through faith that will get you through that storm. And I'm going to say it again. I love it when we can stop a storm. 
There's been a few times in my life that I know as I've pressed into God that the storm stopped and I'm talking like, like, stop now, stop, stop. But the majority of my life and my testimony and yours as well is it wasn't so much what all got stopped, but it's what all that he got me through as I had confidence in him. And that's called through faith. Everybody say through faith. Need some water. This, This old windmill needs some water now. Now, my concern is that some people have a faith that only lasts and only is present as long as everything's okay. And we can show up and we love Jesus and and all those things. Everything's just fine. Or if the problem's not too big or the problem doesn't last too long. My concern is for people that don't have room in their theology that gives them any room for anything to rock their boat. And I spoke to the mountain and it, and it didn't move. And I, I spoke to the storm and it didn't cease. Well, guess what? You need to have through faith. Should you speak to the mountain? You better believe it. Should we rebuke the storm? You better believe it. But you better be equipped and you better have in your life a through faith that remains present and that will get you all the way through. Now, in Romans 10, 17, and we've been traveling all all morning to get to this point. Romans 10, 17, it says, are y'all here? That's not what Romans 10, 17 said. I just, I didn't want to waste a verse on people that are somewhere else. Okay. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith, everybody say faith. Faith. And let's go ahead and add this in. Okay. Through faith. Everybody say it. So then this through faith also comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's by hearing God's word. It's by getting something from what God said that actually is the foundation for any kind of faith. And for the through faith that the disciples should have had, the through faith that Jesus asked them, why don't you have it? The through faith that they should have had, could have had, would be based on something then that Jesus said. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's based on something that God has said. If I have confidence in God, I have confidence in something he said. And it's something in particular that he said. And in verse 35, we read this. He said this, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. And Then he rested. And I want to remind you, he knew the potential for storms. And this was, and and the disciples missed what he said. They heard him say, let us cross to the other side as some kind of direction. We're going that way, guys. And it wasn't so much a direction, it was a declaration. Yeah, we're going that way, but we're going all the way over that way. And because they missed what he said, then they didn't have a basis for this through faith. And Jesus knew there might be storms. He knew there might be storms, but he made a declaration. And listen, in your life, there might be storms. And I'm not speaking that there would be storms. I don't want storms. But let's be real. Anybody here that's over two and a half months old. (laughs) 
You know because of the lay of the land, sometimes storms come up. And we've got to be ready for these storms. Now, let me just paint this whole scenario a little bit in a different way. Let's say that Jesus taught all day standing in the boat. Disciples were right there. And then when evening came, Jesus said, you know what, guys? I'm tired. It's been a long day. We need you to go to the other side and listen to me. You guys have been with me now all this time. A lot of you guys grew up around here. Some of you guys worked on this water right here. You know that sometimes there might be storms. We're going to the other side. Fellas, look at me. We're going to the other side. And they go, let's do it. And they load up the boat and they shove off and they go. And a great storm arose because sometimes in life, great storms arise. And the wind is beating and the water is coming, but they have through faith because they heard him say, get this, apply this. They heard him say, we're going to the other side of this thing. Storm or no storm, we're going to the other side. They heard that. So guess what? You know, the weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. And if it wasn't for their through faith, you know what they did? They just held on. They, they probably oohed and awed and squealed. I mean, the boat would rise and then crash. And they're like, Whoa! everybody's still here. And they're wet. Probably a couple of guys lost a shoe. Are you hearing me? They're singing the song with Gilligan. Jesus too. If you're visiting today, my last name is Gilligan. Okay. And then when they get to the other side and they're wet, they're beat. I promise you they're smiling. There may be one or two of them going like, ah, man, but we made it and giving high fives and saying, Jesus, you're the man. It's a whole different story. It's really not even about the storm. It's about what Jesus said. It's about us having through faith and you've got to have through faith. Listen, avoid all that you can. Endure what you have to and get this part and do not go wordless. Avoid all that you can endure what you have to, but do not go wordless. That's the devil's resolution for 2012 concerning you is that you would go wordless because no doubt storms are going to come up from time to time. And if he can keep you wordless, you won't have through faith and you're in the middle of whatever's going on. And you go, we're perishing instead of holding on and singing and knowing we will get through. Everybody say we will get through. How many of you have ever been to an amusement park? Some of y'all really need to get out. You really, it's a new year. Do make effort. Okay. We like to, and I'm not endorsing anything or whatever, but we like to, as a family, we have for, for a long time now, we love to go over to Disney and do some things. And, um, I want you to think about this over in animal kingdom. There's a ride in Dinoville or Dinosaur Land or whatever it's called. And there's a ride in there, and I love this ride. And you go inside, you're inside, and it's all make-believe. 
But you get in a Jeep with about, I don't know, a dozen other people. And it's on a track. And you go through some kind of time warp kind of thing. And you're back in the past in dinosaur days. And you're cruising along. And all of a sudden there's the T-Rex and the animatronics. It's so real and it's so close. And it's like growling at you and reaching out toward you. It's so close. And you're screaming and grabbing each other. And your heart is just beating. And, and then you go a little bit further and something else jumps out at you. And it's, it's just crazy. And the Jeep shakes and you're off the road. And then something goes horribly wrong. And there's sparks and smokes and it goes completely dark. And there are velociraptors that are loose in the dark. And all of a sudden you feel one land on the back of your seat. You feel his breath. I think he even slobbers on you. You're holding on. Your heart is beating faster. It's stopped altogether. And you're just like this. And let me just cut to the chase. And your heart is beating and you're squealing and screaming and everything else. But listen to me. You know you're going to get through. I'm not minimizing anybody's problems to an amusement park ride. But you full well know you'll get through. And then you go over the Magic Kingdom and there's a runaway train. That never turns out good. It's the wildest ride in the wilderness. And you get on that and it's just out of control going every which way. And you're holding on to children. And the sign even says you're going to experience turbulence. This is a wild ride. Hide your hat and your glasses. And as crazy as it is, guess what? You know you're going to go home. You know you're going to make it. And let me just tell you, and again, not reducing your problems down to an amusement park ride. But I think you get my point on this. When you have through faith, you know I'm going to go home. You know I'm going to make it. Yeah, my heart's beating. Yeah, my hat just blew off and I lost a shoe and, and I'm wet. But I'll get through. And here's the point. This is the moment right here. Do you have a promise to build a through faith on? Do you have a word from God for your 2012? Do you have a word from God concerning your situation, your life, your storm, your difficult marriage, your symptoms, your financial situation? Do you have a word from God that will give you a through faith? Or are you just going to get rocked all over this year and say, I'm perishing, I'm perishing, I'm perishing. Now, I'd rather sing the song, get wet, heartbeat, hold on, get to the other side and give some high fives. And you've got to have a through faith. Every time you come here, I'm going to give you something for through faith. But you have some responsibility. Call us, wait on us, get into the word yourself, Google it. And find a word from God. Not somebody wandering up to you in the Taco Bell parking lot. I got a word for you. Unless you know them, you got a word for them too. Go away. Now God can use people to speak to you, but you, that's a whole nother thing. Typically it's not going to be bizarre. And it will always Always line up with God's word. Always. Always. Listen to me, church. 
Do what you have to do to get a word so that you have through faith that I am never alone. I am never without help. We're going to the other side. Let me read you two passages and then I'm going to finish this this morning. In Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. But now, this one will work for you too. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. Get this. You are mine. And when you pass, help me. When you pass through the waters, good luck, baby. No. When you pass through the waters, what? I will be with you and through the rivers. They shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame Scorch you. Psalm 23, verse 4. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for or because you are with me. Get this. Your rod to protect me and your staff to guide me. They comfort me. Here's the bottom line. Here's the summation of all of his promises. You are never alone. And you are never without help. And that will give you. That is the word you need to build a faith that is confident. It's a through faith. Hey, let's stop every storm that we can. But you better be equipped with some through faith that will get you through. I got to stop right there, but I hope you got something out of this today. All right. Good deal.